Friday, June 3rd, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! When I die, I want to come back as a country boy. If you ask me, if my neck don't come out red, then Lord, just keep me dead. Cause a country boy's all that I know how to be. My back is always this episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear, hot-melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Still experiencing a BOGO extravaganza. Lots of exclusive MyPillow items. Giza Dream Elegance Pillows. Giza Dream Sheets. Six-piece towel sets. Buy one, get one free. In addition to that, when you use promo code STEAK at checkout, you get big, big savings on hundreds of other MyPillow products. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. You can talk to a qualified pillow representative at 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear on the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, if my neck don't come out red, then Lord, just leave me dead. <laughs> Get those ears taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the Tracys and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the newly redesigned, easy-to-use website. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Owner, operator, CEO of Dumpbox.us. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on our website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today from the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified account on True Social, welcome, Friday edition, 
Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 140. I'm Roan, back in studio. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. Hello, hello. We've got a bunch of America First interviews lined up for you guys today in two big news blocks, so let's hit it. All right, coming in first on the show today, big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. He was the 56th governor of Missouri. He's one of our favorite America First candidates running for the U.S. Senate in the Show Me State. Eric Ryan, thanks for coming back on with us. Hey, it is great to be back on with the Steak for Breakfast crew, especially on, on a Friday, guys. Thanks so much for having me. No, oh, thank you for joining us. You know, I, I say it every time you come on. Dylan is amazing, and, and I could text him, and within a week, here you are. I, we know how busy you guys are on the campaign trail. We follow you on social media, share it a lot, and we've seen great things coming out of the campaign. Why don't you give our listenership a little bit of an update? Yeah, so the great news is now we are less than two months away from the primary, and the great news is that we are dominating. We're dominating the polls. The three honest, independent polls that have all come out all show us winning by about 10 points. We are crushing the rhinos in the race who are all fighting <laughs> amongst each other. And we are also looking great in the general election. We're going to dominate the general election here as well in the state of Missouri. But, you know, beyond the numbers, the thing that's really cool is just qualitatively, we are out on our Nomo Rhinos tour. And we're doing events in Northeast Missouri and Southwest Missouri and Southeast Missouri. Did an event in Forestville, Missouri last night. And everywhere we go, we're turning out real people, not political central committee party people and not lobbyists and not political grifters, but real people who are coming out. And it is working incredibly well. Literally hundreds of people every week. Our opponents, by contrast, aren't even having events because they are so boring <laughs> that no one <laughs> is willing to show up to see them. So the enthusiasm, the power, the like, you know, uh, intensity of what's happening on the ground is really, really good. And I think that bodes well, not just for this election, but for the real revival of the country. Because when I'm up talking, I tell everybody, look, I'm doing my part. I'm running this race. We're going to win this race. And everybody knows that. They're behind us. That's cool. But I also say, if we're really going to revive the country, everybody has to do their part. Everybody has to figure out a way to step forward. And the people in the audience, they're taking on their local school boards. They're taking on the, the rhino establishment and their local GOPs. People are ready to take the country back. So I feel really hopeful about where we are headed. Tremendous amount of energy on the ground. Nice. No, you know, you say a lot of things that that really uh, resonate with what's going on in the country right now. And I, I think one of the biggest things you mentioned starting off at the top was uh, how all of your primary opponents are fighting amongst each other because they know from day one you didn't really make this race about anyone other than the people of Missouri. You got out there, you hit the campaign trail, you didn't need to call people out by names, you were doing your own things and talking about the issues, but I think that's the biggest component of it too. You've physically been out there. I mean, I think you've rattled off like five or six places that you were last time you were on the show. You just rattled off a whole bunch more, and you guys have really been moving the whole time. I know every time I talk to your campaign manager, he's saying you guys are always on the move, so i got to check the calendar to see when I can get him on as soon as we you know, get a rest, but it doesn't seem like there's been much rest for you, and based off the energy levels and, and the way people have been responding to those large events and gatherings that you've been having, uh, I think the people of Missouri are ready for a real change in the Senate. Oh, 100% they are. And I think what is also really cool to see is that you have so many people coming out who are first time voters, 
who've never been involved in politics before. Last night, I'm in Forestdale, Missouri. We hosted, hosted an event in, literally in somebody's big backyard. And they invited all of their neighbors and all of their friends from church. And a lot of young people came out who, who some of them, this is going to be their first election. But it's really neat to see the way everybody is engaged. The other thing that's also very cool, and this is a, this is a change in the country, is that everybody knows what's going on, man. Everybody knows what's going on. We hosted a screening of the Rigged movie here in Missouri. Nice. Had hundreds of people come out for that that movie. And afterwards, we did a Q&A with Dave Bossy, who flew into Missouri for the, for the screening. And the questions from the audience, right? Detailed questions about what happened in Michigan, what happened in Wisconsin, something that they had read about what Zuckerberg did with his bucks in Arizona, etc. People are informed. They're informed about election integrity, about the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. They're informed about COVID tyranny. They're informed about all of these different issues. So it is very, very cool to see that people are saying this is our country. We're going to fight for it and we're taking it back. Yeah, I think that's the that's one of the biggest issues right there is that, you know, people are starting to realize every day, whether it's at the wallet, at the gas pump, you know, stuff that's going on in their kid's school. Uh, you see all of this stuff. I mean, one of the things I definitely wanted to touch with what that since I've had you on, you, you know, you are a veteran. We had Memorial Day this week. And yeah. how much how disturbing was it to you to see the Biden administration just completely politicize a holiday that has nothing to do with politics? It has to do with remembering the people who, who literally served and died to defend the freedoms that we have today. Yeah, I think it's really disgusting to see the left has no basic respect for a lot of things that 98% of Americans had always historically agreed on, right? And you and you 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 never went out and politicized Memorial Day because you know what? There's a whole lot of people who died for this country and when they are taking a bullet or hit by a suicide truck bomb, or hit by an RPG, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS, and the people who they, they fought, right, whether they're fighting in Vietnam, Korea, World War II, the enemy never asked them if they were a Democrat or a Republican. They didn't care if they were a man or a woman, they didn't care if they were black, white, Asian, Hispanic, they cared that they were an American who was fighting for our country and that's why they went after him. And it should be a point of, of unity where we come together and we honor the sacrifice that all of these folks have made. But unfortunately, the left doesn't really honor that sacrifice anymore. And it's part of the cultural battle where they're attacking all of these kind of key pillars, uh, key beliefs and institutions that have always held America together, and it's a real assault on those those values, and you see it everywhere, unfortunately. They have managed to politicize everything. They've tried to politicize all of life. They politicize everything that people put on social media. They try to politicize every choice because that's what tyrants do. Yeah, no, yeah, you make a whole lot of sense there. We know how much of a pro-military, there's there's so much military families in Missouri and then pro-law enforcement. And when you see, you know, the stuff that went on Memorial Day and now you parlay it into the end of the week, Joe Biden gave a stump speech last night. He's not talking about the economy, inflation, the upcoming probable recession, the bad jobs numbers that came out today, 
the baby formula shortages. It seems like we've completely forgot about the southern border as that situation continues to get worsened. Uh, there were some independent studies that came out this week that showed there's no one to check where anything that we're sending over to Ukraine can be verified of where it's going. I've already seen stuff online of like, you know, uh, some of the missile systems that we're sending over there and anti-tank systems showing up in like Syria, showing up in like Pakistan. And uh, he decides to go out and stump on, on, on gun control. How, how do you think that that doesn't really probably resonate with the people of Missouri too much? huh? No, not at all. I mean, I can tell you just last night, everyone sees this for exactly what it is. Joe Biden and the leftists have been talking about coming after the Second Amendment forever. It's part of their agenda, and they will use every tragedy, every political opportunity to advance that agenda. And everyone knows that they want to take firearms out of the hands of law-abiding citizens. That is the Biden agenda. And what's also really interesting, and I think a very important point to make, is that, and I made this last night, the Second Amendment, I mean, I love hunting, but the Second Amendment is not about deer hunting. Mm -hmm. No. The, the Second Amendment is about protecting the liberties of the people from their government. And everyone actually saw when they watched COVID tyranny happen in Australia, when they watched it happen in New Zealand, people asked basic questions. Because when you look back historically, whether you're looking at, at communist regimes, you're looking at, at Russia, you're looking at China, you can be looking at Pol Pot in Cambodia, you yep. can look at what happens in Albania. Historically, liberties are not taken away from people by invading forces, they're taken away by their own government. Mm -hmm. Our founding fathers were students of history and that was one of the reasons why they wanted to preserve the Second Amendment because they recognized that it was essential to the liberties of the people. I mean, you go back and you remember, you know, basic history, which I hope that they are still teaching in some of our <laughs> classes, right? The whole idea was that British soldiers were out trying to confiscate yep. weapons from people in the colonies. And they said, no, we are not gonna, we're not gonna do this. So everybody's seen the agenda. They've seen that Biden has completely misplaced priorities. And frankly, the Biden administration is just trying to distract from the fact that they have failed on every single one of those issues that you mentioned. Yeah. And, and you know, it's just one of those things they're going to continue to kind of skew the narrative and put all these big things like flashing lights in our face. Oh, gun control. The, you know, they politicize everything. And it's going to be one of the things that they try to take away from the issues heading into the midterm elections, which, you know, we hope the voters continue to just stay laser focused on. I think when you see how much of the bad stuff that's going on in this country right now is directly negatively affecting them. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, probably not a big win for the Biden administration when they think like, you know, 10 round capacity on a mag is more important than like whether or not you could feed your kid or gas up your car. Totally. I was, I was with a group of uh, law enforcement agents all down in Southeast Missouri. These are guys who are part of a drug task force. Nice. And of course they and every law enforcement officer who has to deal with fentanyl has been affected by what Biden has has allowed, which is a completely open border. And not only, of course, are law enforcement officers affected, but it has terrible effects on on people. Look, I lost a, a cousin to 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 an overdose. Right? It is it it tears tears families apart. But I'm down talking with these law enforcement officers, and we're talking about what was happening, and they said, yeah. 
did you see, you know, they're, they're trying to generate all of this uh, scaring of people. Now the COVID's over, they're talking about, talking about the monkey pox. And these guys said, what people are really getting sick of is, is the donkey pox. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that, that is that is when when Democrat insanity makes people sick. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, 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 you know, uh, no, I mean, it, it, that's where we're at. We, we've had people, you know, you saw Matt Gates up on Capitol Hill yesterday uh, taking, you know, some of the comments that Janet Yellen gave earlier in the day. And then, you know, he gave a, a reply to the Joe Biden. Uh, well, the CGI generated speech that he gave last night. I don't know what that was all about. He looked like Max Headroom up there and that room that he had going on. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where I'm glad that some of the people in D.C. right now are actually holding the line and saying, like, this is not what's negatively affecting the American people. These people are not going to forget about what you're doing to them right now at the ballot box, uh, you know, come November and throughout the primary season. So I, I think right now the people who are running their campaigns, right, obviously, like yourself, Governor, are, are kind of getting out there and letting the people know these are the issues. We understand you need help. And uh, probably much to Mitch McConnell's dismay, uh, you just seem to be surging in the polls and looking like you're going to have uh, – Pretty fairly easy time as long as you keep your foot on the gas heading through the primary season. Hundred percent, man. We're keeping our foot on the gas, and you know I'm glad glad you mentioned Matt Gates too. I mean, one of the reasons why they go after guys like Gates is because he's courageous and he's willing to stand up. He stands up in the face of media pressure, and he's also willing to stand up to the rhinos when they are wrong. Folks like Mitch McConnell, who've completely uh, uh, failed us. And you see time after time, thankfully, thankfully, we do have some courageous America First Patriots who are up there. I'm gonna come in, I know that some others are gonna come in, we're gonna bring some reinforcements. And you know what, courage is contagious. Maybe some of these other folks see that we can stand up and really fight for the American people and uh, and they'll they'll join us as well. Yeah, I agree. I think some of that uncertainty right now in the beltway is that some of those probably on the fence people who really appreciated Trump era policies don't want to, you know, get in Mitch McConnell's doghouse and uh I think as we get closer to the elections and we see how many of these America first you know, senators are running. We've we've already saw Herschel Walker walk away with it in Georgia. It looks like, regardless of what Raphael Warnock does, I think that you know Herschel's a hero in that state, and he's probably going to get a Senate seat there. Adam Laxalt surging in Nevada right now, and 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 we've seen a couple other ones who are definitely going to be holding up Trump ever policies once they get to D.C. So, I think that's a pretty uh, positive outlook to have. And uh, you know, for a lot of people who are hurting right now, it looks like after the midterm elections, we can at least get uh, you know, this administration under control and reined in. Yeah, for sure. Look, th this is, it's like any revival. And again, you look back historically how you turn a country around, it's going to take a while. But what we can do by taking over Congress, by taking over the House, by taking over the, the Senate, we can put an end to a lot of Biden's absurdity. We can at least stop the bleeding. Then we win in 2024 and we take back and we have the executive branch and we can start we can start to turn the country around. Now, one of the key things is though, and you put your finger on it, it's not enough to elect Republicans. Right. The Republican Party has continually failed the American people. Rhinos have continued to fail the American people. I am proud to be a Republican. I'm proud of what the Republican Party has done in the past, but we have to recognize and be honest about the, the fact that rhinos have continued to fail. So it's not just enough to have Republicans. I remind everybody, because people forget, we had a Republican Senate and a Republican House when Trump was elected. And those guys wouldn't even pass funding for a border wall. And yet, 
You get 19 rhinos who jump in and pass $1.2 trillion for a Joe Biden Green New Deal bill. So it's not enough for us just to have Republicans. But if in this cycle we can send a strong platoon of America first courageous leaders who are willing to fight, we can start to change uh, the tenor in the Senate and the House. Then we come back and we take the presidency in 2024. And we have a cultural movement where everybody stands up at every level. We take back the school boards. We take back the county executive seats. Then we're really on a path to really reviving the country. And we can have some very, very bright days ahead. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because coming across the wire right now, it's kind of a state exclusive. I want to get your commentary on this because I know yeah. you're definitely uh, into this thread. So ex-House Speaker who was the speaker when we had control of all three chambers, Paul Ryan said in an interview last night, it's coming across the news wires right now that uh, he's blasting Republicans for not voting to impeach president Trump. That, 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 <laughs> yeah. So what? yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it just shows, man, it just shows how out of touch the Jeez. rhinos are. Yeah. It shows how wildly out of touch they are. I can tell you if somebody had said that when we had our rigged screening with hundreds of people and laugh. asked for a vote on it, it's 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 like 300 to zero. It just shows that there, there is a uniparty in Washington, D.C. It shows that there are career politicians who are completely out of touch with the people and they're there to serve themselves and they serve other politicians, they serve lobbyists, and they're, they, they're there to work for themselves instead of the people. And frankly, people are sick of it. Yeah, they certainly are. And I think, you know, especially everybody in the America First movement, that's just like an eye-rolling headline when it comes across. It's like, especially, we're still talking about this? Well, I mean, him and Mike right. Pence are out there stumping for all the candidates who are, you know, America last and the ones that are involved with the, like Brian Kemp down in Georgia. You know, he's he's doing backroom deals with, with George Soros and, uh, you know, he's got Mike Pence and, and Paul Ryan out there stumping for him. So mm. I think that goes without being said. Governor, we want everybody to be able to continue to track you. I think uh, we're in June right now. We're definitely going to have you back at least one time before the primary. And then, obviously, when you're the nominee, we'll have you back heading into the to the midterm elections. But we want everybody to follow you across social medias and your campaign website. For sure, guys. Yeah, would love to have everybody who's listening follow us across all of the platforms. It's at Eric Greitens. It's just at E-R-I-C-G-R-E-I-T-E-N-S. And on the website, if you want to come out, you want to volunteer, you want to donate, you want to support the campaign, it's ericgreitens.com, just E-R-I-C-G-R-E-I-T-E-N-S.com. And every patriot who's listening right now, I'd love to have you be, be part of the team and fight by your side. Yeah, and uh, we can't wait to have you back. The 56th governor of Missouri who's running America First Senatorial campaign in the same state. Eric Greitens, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Take care. Well, always good to get an update from the governor. It seems like he's, uh, you know, he's not going to take for granted the polls, even the independent ones that he's going off of. But uh, it seems like he's running a pretty solid campaign, to say the least. Yeah, I can't imagine not listening to the things he says and not having it make sense to you. Like, he's very well-spoken. Everything he says, it, it makes perfect sense. And it's the yeah. stuff that we've analyzed and noticed ourselves. But just for the general populace, like, if you're listening to this guy talk, it's like, how do you not understand? Like, it's very easy. Mm -hmm. Or like him, you know, he, yeah. he's got such a great personality and aura about him. So when he's on the road, I'm sure people really take to him as well, you know, because that obviously adds to. And if not, he probably knows how to twist your head off in 13 different ways. 
we may or may not have been talking about oh. blow darting his neighbor <laughs> off the air before we started with the lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, it's great to hear. And, and you want to know what? It seems like we've got a pretty good, we got to start tracking this on our dry race board. Win-loss record on who's getting it or not. Obviously, we saw yesterday Blake Masters picked up the big Trump endorsement. Uh, hopefully, that's going to be enough. That's a tight race there. I think all the three at the top, him, Lehman, and uh, no-show Burnovich are all within three percentage points of each other, which falls within the margin of error of 4.5 in Arizona. But um, it was good to see him pick up the Trump endorsement. Hopefully, that puts Blake over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been the one that's uh, been most America first on his agenda, outward spoken about all the policy stuff. He's challenged all of the primary challengers to uh, debate and, and forums, and, and none of them have showed. And, uh, you know, it's it's like there's just a little bit of a difference between, I think, Blake Masters and, and, and Jim Lehman at the top, and I think Jim Lehman's business dealings and, and, and maybe pseudo ties to China in the past is what's going to be hopefully enough to get Blake Masters over the finish line because uh, we need somebody that's Trump-backed and endorsed to get in there and, and, and get you know Kelly out of the senator spot in Arizona. That would be another great pickup for us in the uh, America First agenda. Um, what's not been great for the country to, to you know close out the week here has been the sad state of the Biden economy. The dollar continues its death spiral. You're now starting to see more people talk and use the term recession. It seems like our toes are to the line Oof. on an impending recession there. And, uh, you know, now that she's gotten the opportunity to get into her job and get her feet wet, speaking about toes to the line, um, Karine Jean-Pierre. Mm. So, I, you know, I've had a lot of time to watch her over the last two weeks, kind of make, it, make what her personality is going to be. And, you know, we always used to make fun of Jen Psaki. We'd worn out the garrison button on her, but she was more of a like, well, you know, that's not really what he said, Peter. It's not really, you know, the way we're trying to do things here, Peter, when she'd be going back and forth with Peter Ducey. But it seems like... So uh, this, one's, this one's more or less cunty. No, this well, one's way more. Mm. And, and I think that Jen was, like, more entertaining. This one is just, like... Condescending. Yeah, mm. completely. She's an asshole. She she, she literally yeah. is. And, and, and it's scary to, uh, you know, kind of hear her... So there was also a Breitbart article this week. I shared it on our social medias. The only one you probably saw it on was True Social. But uh, apparently behind closed doors, there's been a couple different things going on. We all know about the mass exodus of staffers from high-ranking government officials. It seems like in the last couple months, though, 33 African-American staffers have left the Biden administration because they feel all the stuff they ran on is being completely ignored for the stupid stuff that they're virtue signaling on right now, like guns and stuff like that. And we'll get to that later. Um, number two. Well, yeah, it has. it sucks to be, you know, yesterday's. News. BLM. Yeah, yesterday's BLM. <laughs> and today's gun control. Yeah. Well, 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 also, I saw that Joe Biden has had a couple meltdowns because what happens is... He didn't get his juice box? He'll say something that's a verbal policy change. We're talking about Ukraine, Taiwan, the economy, and guns. And his staffers and cabinet members will go out over the next couple of days. They'll go on, like, the Sunday morning talk shows. They'll jump on primetime, and they'll say, well, what President Biden really meant was... And Joe Biden's, like, behind closed doors, apparently, is saying, like, I'm the fucking president. It's not what I meant to say. What I say is what I said. And, and apparently he's lost his shit a couple of times because he doesn't like people walking back his verbiage. Did you just say he's lost his shit mm-hmm. in his pants or just in general? Well, we have confirmed that that's happened a couple of times. But it's, it's been a minute since it's been reported, so I guess they, they swapped out some of the Secret Service details. He's got those Teflon suits now. But getting back to this economy. Um, <laughs> oh, back to this economy. And what's left of it. So we all know that when the Biden administration does say stuff, something that they're not walking back is the Putin price hike, the Putin mm. whatever. And uh, Peter Ducey asked her the other day, you know, how much longer are we just going to blame Vladimir Putin? Let's hear him. I'm surprised nobody's done a uh, 
like a Putin sticker for the gas pumps yet, like the, the left version of it. Oh, oh my God. You, hey, that's don't give me any crazy. Fuel. Me I any was fuel. literally going to um, make some of them because I was like, no, so crazy that you said <laughs> that. Right, let's hear Peter Ducey take uh, KJP to task. You just mentioned Putin a few times yeah. as a reason for recent inflation. Do you guys think that any part of inflation this year is because of President Biden's spending plans? Or is it all Putin's fault? Well, what I can say is we are, and Brian just spoke to this, mm. we are at a historic place when it comes to the economy, oh. when it comes to uh, unemployment being at the lowest that we have seen in oh. some time, when it comes to the president creating more jobs oh. in his first term, his first year, than any other president, eight point, more than 8.5 million jobs. Now we're going to a place where jobs. It's be, we're going yeah. into transition, where we're going to see an economy that's more stable, that's more steady. So that's because of the American Rescue Plan that we, mm. that the president assigned into law, that no Republican signed or voted for, I should say. And all of that work that he's done the first year has led us to a place where there are more jobs out there, more jobs oh. are being created, that we are in a place where we're seeing economic growth. Mm -hmm. Now, and also, as I've stated, this is an unprecedented time with COVID. This is an unprecedented time with the war. And so that 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 Putin has created and started on Ukraine. And so we have seen that it has shown us uh, since uh, since these past couple of months, since the war, we have seen an uptick on gas prices. What a stupid son of a bitch. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Shut the they fuck up. They blatantly lie and lie and lie and lie. It's bizarre. I, I just love the, oh, we created more jobs than any president in history. It's like you... You you allowed people <laughs> to go you back allowed to people to work again. It's unbelievable, really. Oof. My word. You know, she talked about Brian Deese being there and he did jump on the podium before she did. I pulled a small clip from him. And if there's one thing Joe Biden can talk about, it's his experiences in Washington, DC. Um, I, I think one of the biggest issues he's faced in his old age and uh mental decline, and you could find, you know, a little bit more on this in our newest Substack. Um Joe Biden has always been that politician that has gone out and said counter-narrative inflammatory things. And mm -hmm. because of where he's at right now as an actual human being, I don't think he's been able to make the adjustment because he would say things that would fall on the shoulders of other people, the people that were pushing this legislation, the stuff that happens before it gets to the Oval Office. And now he is the guy that has to sign the stuff. So when he makes these counter-narratives and, and inflammatory comments like he has throughout the course of, you know, the entire time he's been in the Oval Office, well, he's not really in the Oval Office. He does it from the green screen room. But there's no one else after him, and it seems like that's the buck that he wants to pass, but it's like he's still making comments as, like, a senator or a vice president, and he's he's going against his own people, and he's going against himself. Mm. Well, let's hear Brian Deese try to rationalize. Uh, Maybe he's got a brown screen. Mm. Smear screen? <laughs> Look, I think that the, the what the president has done uh, with respect to communications has been is been to consistently uh, explain to the American people where we are and where we need to go. We just said he doesn't do that. Uh, and that yeah. continues to be uh, the way that uh, that he approaches this issue and very much from the perspective of what it feels like to sit around a dining room table or a, a kitchen table uh, in uh, in this country, because that is. That's his lived experience, and that's the way that he approaches these economic policy questions. And so he understands that right now the top 
uh, issue on people's minds uh, is prices, prices at the, uh, the gas station. It is kind of like sitting store. around the kitchen table. And he's made very clear and he's communicating very clearly that that's uh, his uh, top economic priority and that we can address this from a position of strength and that we can yeah. make this transition to stable growth without sacrificing all of those gains if we make the right decisions so going he's forward. Pass out. So what that's, gains? Uh, that's yeah, what he will continue to do. It's certainly what we'll continue to do in serving him. And, and, you know, the fact of the matter is Brian Deese is just another one of those people like Pete Buttigieg, like Jake Sullivan, who were, you know, mid-level staffers in the Obama administration who just kind of held the party lines and now they're enjoying, you know, their huge cabinet or pseudo-cabinet positions up there as, like, you know, presidential appointees, and they just have completely no idea what they're doing. And they just go out there, and you hear him trying to make comments. He's like, oh, yeah, he brought jobs back to the economy, and it literally looked like he was about to pass out. They know, they know the, like, the majority of the public knows everything he's about to talk and will say is pure bullshit. You know? So he's like, fuck, how bad is this? Bl- the blowback is going to be after I speak and say this. You know? Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And uh, you know, talking about people who are not in – places where they should be working within this administration. Kamala Harris is a speechwriter. Mm. Uh, she was trying yeah. to touch on the economy a little bit this week and, and, and talked about her personal experiences recalling childhood droughts. You heard that right, Noah, droughts. Droughts? Actual droughts. I believe she's from California, so let's see, let's see her talk about it. And I remember watching in the Oakland Hills, Northern California, um, the, 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 the landscape turning from green to brown. <laughs> Wait, is she saying and she's everyone, from Oakland now? From my mother, our teachers, the radio DJs, KDIA, <laughs> Lucky 13, <laughs> um, saying how important it was to conserve water. Good job. Shut the f- They were doing that when I was growing up in Michigan and in New York when it got hot. Come on, man. Like, there was no drought there, though. <laughs> and all those hills... The, during the rainy season, they turn green, and during the summer, they turn brown. That's just what they do. Exactly. What, you guys can never forget the space that... Uh, oh, the space that encompasses all of us? Mm-hmm. And, and, <laughs> and brings us together. <laughs> and yet keeps us apart. She did reprise, and, and I'll, I'll play it at the end of the segment, her famous significant of the passage of time. Oh, she did it again? Yeah, she remixed oh, it this stop. week. Oh, but um, I don't know. It, it's it's tough. You, they, they just don't know where they're going with... Uh, this narrative right now, and it's one of those things where, you know, we have to continue to uh, take them to task. We, we heard at the top of the segment, you know, that stuff regarding the jobs. Um, remember, almost 11 million jobs were, were shuttered during COVID. So, you know, it, it's more around six. But to say that Joe Biden uh, brought back eight million of them so far is just a complete falsehood. And the jobs they're going into are are not as good as the ones people left because of a lot of those small businesses, especially the ones that were, you know, owned by the middle class, gone. Completely, completely gone. And uh, wh- what are you going to do? You have to just take into account, you know, all the stuff that uh, is going on right now with the economy and, and, and the dollar and all this other stuff. And you have to be able to uh, really make a uh, educated decision on, on, on what you're listening to from this administration. So uh, let's just uh, talk about another person who's completely in over her head right now. You've got Janet Yellen, mm. um, you know, the the Secretary of the Treasury. So another Obama retread. Uh, she's destroyed a couple states uh, in her day. And um, she jumped on with, well, Israel non-appreciator, Wolf Blitzer this week. Oh. Yeah, to, to talk about, you know, her deal with uh, 
you know, in the fall, she was teasing that the economy would be fine. This is, I'm air quoting now, transitory. Oh, of course. And, and that it would pass. And, and now we're, we're, you know, getting ready to start a little recession here. And, and by little, I mean probably the worst since after World War II. And this administration is completely fine with it. Let's hear her talk about her win-loss record. But it wasn't just the president who got it wrong a year or so ago. I want to play for you what you said about inflation Oof. last year. Listen to this. Is there a risk of inflation? Um, I, I think there's a small risk, ah. and I think it's manageable. Oh. I don't anticipate that inflation is going to be a problem, but oh. it is something that we're watching very carefully. Was it a mistake, Madam Secretary, to downplay this inflation risk? Did that contribute to the problems we're all seeing right now? Well, um, look, I, I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy Say that Russia. have boosted uh, energy and food prices Ooh, wrong and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't, at the time didn't fully understand. Bottlenecks. What a fucking disaster. <laughs> I know. Man. Unbelievable. Seriously. That I want to get her and Fauci in a room playing Pictionary about what's going on in the world. Oh, God. <laughs> First word. Mm. Has anybody seen him? Because I haven't. You know, Sounds I like boosted. <laughs> on a media break, but has he shown him? himself anywhere he, he he actually did a cable news show you want to know what he was on this week i came back from work and i and i i turned on my television he was actually on with neil cavuto this week on fox news hmm. I, I was surprised about it but i just didn't want to go pull any of the clips you know they were talking about like uh thank you yeah exactly thank that you. and uh you know we're heading into the fall so oh you know they asked him about whether or not we're going to have lockdowns again. And they actually did the same thing. And I didn't pull the clip for it because, listen, we're just staying away from COVID. It, it's yeah. just a non-issue with us. There's so much other stuff going on yeah, that's it's important. It's over. They, they had I'm this. trying to keep it alive, and I don't even want to give it No, I mean, it's really over, but they're not letting it be over. Yeah. It's over after this election cycle. So, so they had the, sur the Surgeon General up at the podium at the White House yesterday, I believe. And the last question they asked, do you think with the resurgence of COVID in the fall, we would go back to, like, full lockdowns again? And, um... Corrine Jean-Pierre literally grabbed the guy by his shoulder and said, like, oh, no, 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 we're not taking any questions. Wow. And she walked him out the door and then came back to the podium. Damage control. Yeah, you know, and they're just keep, they're keeping COVID there just in case they need to use it for whatever reason. You yeah, know? that's the equivalent of her like being like, I can see your cards. Put your put your hand, your, your cards are facing the wrong way. Right, exactly. You're not Stop very good at this. Stop cards. <laughs> well, Peter Ducey was going to ask, Karine Jean-Pierre, what she thought about those uh, statements that Janet Yellen made over the course of the weekend on the Sunday morning news shows and then the beginning of the week regarding her uh, swing and a miss on inflation. And mm. uh, let's hear her most condescending retort. Okay, just, that I, just that I understand. The Treasury Secretary says that she was wrong, but the White House was not wrong about so inflation. Here's the thing. We have, we have 
he, we have achieved a, first of all, I explained to you what she was trying to say. So I just laid that out. So those are your words, not my words. I just laid out what she was trying to say words. and tried to explain in full, in fullness. She said she was uh, wrong. Her, her part in, in, in her answer. We have achieved an, an historic recovery through an extraordinarily oh, 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 unprecedented oh, 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 economic oh, oh, moment. Oh, 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 the president has consistently noted that the primary drivers of inflation are the pandemic and Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Oh. The twist and turns of both these monumental events have affected energy prices and also food prices that we have seen these past several months. This is Putin's price hike, oh, which the president up. refers to, and that is what Secretary Yellen was referring to. If you if you read the entire transcript, and that's what I'm I'm trying to say to you. Mm-hmm. She's speaking for Yellen now and saying was she really mad? Yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. If you read the entire transcript and you shuffle the words around to make it say something completely different, you'll you'll see that that's what she meant. Yeah, most people. Yeah, and but you have to have this like special ability to really see and read between the lines. Yeah. So there's there's definitely a but in there. She's wrong, but it's amazing. And and you know, shameless. That's what it is. And and they would continue to hammer her on that when they tried to segue to a different topic. She started giving bullshit answers on this one too. It's the baby formula shortage. So apparently until after shit really hit the fan with this narrative, there was nobody that was telling Joe Biden what was going on for approximately six to eight weeks. So after they hit her from all sides saying, like, whose responsibility was it? Literally. To oh, not- and did they say that we just didn't tell him? Well, th- there was one reporter that was not taking her shit on this and, and, and took her to task. Let's hear the follow-up question. Hey, there is no specific person is not a satisfactory answer. When you have senior uh, assistants to the president, mm-hmm. there's a paper trail, I'm sure, about briefings to the president. There's a Ooh. domestic policy council. Wow. There's a chief of staff. It's the new smoke that's next to Ducey where Emerald Robinson used to sit. At some point, we need to know who would have been the most likely person to talk to him about. I think what, what I'm trying to say, there are so many issues that come up uh, that is presented to the president, as you know. You've covered you've covered many administrations. And there are just regular channels that, that happen that go to the president. Like it's evasive. Mm-hmm to not have the most senior people in the White House willing to say, I had a conversation with the president about yep. it, or I had, or we talked about it in this context or that context. And we're also all reporting on the consumer side of it, of what you're doing, of putting out and trying to get information. But we're also trying to understand the information flow in this White House, and it's important for us to get that answer, which is why we're going to keep asking it no, you, until we get that answer. No, you, you have every right to keep asking. That's why I'm here. Look, <laughs> really, Kelly O, he's briefed on countless priorities. Uh, he is the President of the United States. There are regular channels. Is he? Uh, he is briefed no. by his senior are White there? House no. uh, staff, um, and that is just the so process that we have. Is it? I, I'm, I'm not going to confirm who uh, it was. Uh, I'm just letting you know that yes. There are regular channels that we use, um, and uh, you know it's senior CNN. again senior White House staff that when elevate issues to him uh, when the time comes, and they're just regular channels, and that's that's what I have for you. Uh, it's just, you know, just regular channels, and that's my story. You, you want to know what it was? She just should have went out and said it. Listen, we didn't have a chance to draw straws to see which unpaid advisor is going to get fired for this, and we're going to blame it on. But, uh, you know, that's kind of where they rat with... uh, Well, no wonder they're losing so many people. It's like, you got to get out, like, while you still have the the clout that is involved with, you know, like, oh, I worked for the the presidential administration. Uh, Which one? Uh, You know, just the the administration, you know, the one... I worked um, for the presidency, you know. It's on my resume, you know. It it says you worked for an administration, not any specific. Well, you know, just are you going to give me the job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that's literally where we're at with that. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that they don't have any excuses for this because a lot of it, as Antoinette always alludes to, is uh, intentional. It is 100% intentional. I mean, you see throughout, you know, there's little inklings of shit that they they hope that we're not going to notice. And Yeah, the most common sense shit to, you know... Well, no, even just like the, the, the pricing increases. Yeah. Well, they do the opposite of like what any, like somebody with a fucking 18 IQ would know better, you know, to not do. I like that. <laughs> so <laughs> sounds like you're kind of retarded. Yeah. So, uh, but to, to that end, I got some mail from uh, San Diego Gas and Electric because we live in segue. San Diego. Mm-hmm. And it's a notification of application for San Diego Gas and Electric Company to request to increase electric rates. And it literally spells out exactly what we've been pontificating about what all this pricing, the gas prices, everything is, and what Biden has said, well, we're going to come out of this, you know, less dependent on fossil fuels. So basically it's just going towards their end goal of making you do what they want. So this uh, it's it's a why am I receiving this notice? And it's like blah blah blah. San Diego Gas and Electric filed its application requesting approval for an overall increase in rates of funding from the 2023 to 2027 demand response DR portfolio. So a demand response program, basically. So if approved, these programs were implemented over a five-year program cycle, and they're requesting the authority to spend up to 172.3 million during the 2023 to 2027 program cycle to design and implement a portfolio of DR programs. Hmm. And then it says below that, after a few lines of other bullshit, why is STG&E requesting this rate increase? Demand response programs motivate electric customers through financial incentives to reduce their electric usage during high demand periods mm. and or shift electric usage to other periods when electric demand is lower. So basically, you can read that as, fuck you, we don't want you to use power during these times, mm-hmm. so we're going to unafford you the ability to do it. Yeah, You can use your air conditioner and wash your clothes and wash your dishes at like between the hours of 2 and 5 a.m. and the rest of the time... <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I already somewhat pay attention to this stuff. Like, you know, I got the, you get the hot tub running. I'm, ah, maybe I'll unplug it. Now you're, you know. now you're going to be our uh, energy conservation specialist right, as yeah. well on the show. So, well, I'm definitely not that. <laughs> but, I got to check my Nevada energy now since you got that letter because I'm like, uh, what's it called? Paperless? Somewhere. Well, yeah. Well, I think this is one of those. I think I'm, maybe I was paperless. But, yeah, there's, there's going to be a hidden email somewhere in, in the back of yeah. wherever. But, there's a lot of fine print on that pamphlet. Yeah, I, I actually went upstairs to grab it, and I grabbed the wrong pamphlet. It was like, maybe I'll read this one instead. It's like <laughs> the same information minus the red flag that you know they had to put in here. God, it's just it's dirty, and you you'll pay attention to your to your electric bill when it hits you know two three hundred bucks, and you're like, what the fuck just happened? And you look at the little the the bar graph of like date and time. Of I usage. was using you know power during this super peak super peak what mm-hmm. the fuck is super peak super freak ultra think. mega peak it's super <laughs> super peaky they're already doing a lot of this and already have been in uh europe i think was it uh germany or probably germany they're the leader in that bullshit it's oh like yeah on top of the 40 percent vat we're gonna soak you for your utilities too yeah i think it's like another 40 percent increase <laughs> yep or something in that you know it's a lot of taxes 
And a lot uh, of not natural yeah. gas they're getting from uh, Vodka Man Bad now. Oh, Vodka mm-hmm. Man. Well, finishing up this segment, there was a lot of deadlines that the Biden administration were looking towards this week. We were trying to get dispositions on the baby formula shortage, stuff on the border, uh, you name it. The inflation, impending recession. The border still got baby formula, right? They're still good? I'm, I'm sure All they're stocked up. well fed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there was a couple things that were going on last night. I don't know if you guys heard. So, first of all, Joe Biden was hosting a beach bikini. Mm-hmm. Beach, beach BQ. Where? At the beach. Well, obviously. Oh we're wet. I mean, there's different varying levels of beach. Which everybody needs to know. Listen, they had the beach BQ yesterday, and then he supposedly <laughs> did the later in the evening speech from the West Wing of the White House, which was obviously a CGI screen that he did it in front of, because I think he flew up to Delaware to host this party. And so Delaware Beach. Yeah, Delaware Beach. But uh, Ducey up? said, listen... Essentially, the entire country is on fire. You had a lot of deadlines this week. And, and you have a barbecue. And you're having a barbecue, and then you're going to go out right after full bellies and, and do a whole stump speech on gun control. Uh, what are we doing? Yeah, see, yeah, this they, is uh, not affecting people in the right direction, I don't think. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the general populace in America is probably more concerned about maybe maintaining freedom mm-hmm. than being more of it taking away. Taking away while we're like, how, how are you going to? Get behind this unless you're a total mouth-breathing idiot. Like, oh, so back, you know, in the very recent future or recent past, we've had roving bands of hooligans burning down buildings and destroying communities. Summer of loving. Summer of love. And I'm supposed to disarm because you told me that Mass they're, they're allowed to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people who go out and commit gun crimes are getting released from jail consequence-free and going back on the street to recommit. And they want the people who actually law-abide to turn in their firearms, which is the last line of defense to protect themselves from them and tyrannical governments, which is what we're hurling towards right now. And the disingenuous way that the media is portraying this stuff, like just based on like, you know, if they can't Photoshop the guy lighter. I get it. Then... If you, if well, you, even the, I mean, the media and the police have been caught in lies too. Sure. With the yeah. Calls. So, and, I mean, and, they can't get their story straight and all sorts. So that's. And I'm not me. deleting compassion from this narrative. No. Listen, in the last three oh, weeks, no, there have been three mass shootings where a whole bunch of people who didn't deserve to die were brutally slaughtered. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Buffalo, Uvalde, and then what happened in Oklahoma City the other day where there was a disgruntled surgical patient who went and murdered his doctor and his entire office staff. I just don't think it's a coincidence, though, that all these are happening in succession. So Neither do I. And, I. and I saw a pretty high-ranking politician make a point the other day. The Uvalde one happened week of the NRA conference in yeah. in Texas. Well, weren't and, they saying that there was, like, a well, retired when, FBI guy that was, like, that was grooming the, this guy that on was, the message boards, too? That was for the Buffalo That's one. But when Columbine happened, it was when the NRA National Summit was going to happen in Colorado week of same time. Oh, perfect. So, but... If you look at just the numbers, let's just take Buffalo, Oklahoma City, and Uvalde and all the people that were brutally murdered there in the worst fashion by crazy-ass people and and not worry about mental... Dude, more people were shot and killed in Chicago last weekend over Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. 62 people. Yeah. And we're talking about just indiscriminate, too, like probably people having a fucking barbecue and getting blasted. 
Like kids, you, you kids are getting hit with bullets in their sleep. Yeah, you can't you know? go on social media now and not see like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, like homeless people walking down the street, pulling people's hair on the subways. There was one, there was like a 67 year old Wait. lady like walking into a store the other day. Some random guy was walking down the street, walked past her, saw it was an old lady, backed up, pulled an ice pick out of his pocket, just dropped it in her back and walked away. An ice it's pick. Un- An it's ice pick. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's getting so bad, especially what? in these very blue states. New York, man, I worry about my family. You know, my dad and my brother are more in the metropolitan area. My mom is more in, in the suburbs and in the Hamptons away from all the craziness. But even they said it's like it's bizarre because they live in a really good area but still it's so random they're random for no reason attacks it can happen to anyone in broad daylight a guy's changing his tire and some kid walks up behind him and shoots him in the back of the head doesn't yep. even know the guy has no association with him well the kid was probably jealous because he doesn't know how to change a tire <laughs> <laughs> oh god but that's <laughs> scary when you check it it's like that could be my brother well it could be anybody i mean you yeah. The the amount of people who are going around who are just mentally unbalanced now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, or whether, whether like or not they're Democrats. Because of, like, you know, the fueling by the media, you know, with the the race, the racism and, you know, pin, trying to pin, you know, whites against black and brown people. You know, obviously we know their their agenda, but a lot of these people get psyoped into thinking it's true. And Well, they, yeah, keeping us at each other's empowered. throats is the best way to keep us unbalanced. Well, then, yeah, these people feel empowered. So they are, oh, white guy changing a tire. Boom. Yep. No, (laughs) you know, the crime's out of control, and that's another component of all the things that are going on. Let's hear Peter Ducey uh, give Kareem the hard time. The White House had some very hard headlines this week about inflation and about baby formula. If there's nothing new that you can point to in this speech tonight, did you just schedule it to get people talking about something else? People have died. People have died uh, in the past couple of weeks in particular. Uh, we had 19 kids die in Uvalde oh, just God. recently. A mass of a mass shooter uh, came into their classroom. I'm glad we let them, in with plus this. their two teachers. We had, uh, we had people doing everyday things on a Saturday, like some of us do, go to the grocery store, and 10 of them were murdered. Uh, just last night in Tulsa, we're, le- we're learning of people who were, uh, again, killed so this is not about politics this is not about partisan politics here this is something that he has worked on uh since he was a senator this is very important and real for the president and for the grieving families that he has met with uh sadly in the last two weeks so this is an opportunity again to call for action uh to get congress to move and uh you know it is um it is disheartening to hear that this could potentially, or if I'm hearing this right, uh, could be used as a political tool, and that's not oh, what this is. Oh, it fucking will this be. This is not about person. Yeah, these are, are this is about people's it. lives. Listen, all these bipartisan congressional whatevers that you guys are going to go sit in back rooms on and lobby for a whole bunch of pork, which which in, in short term, because we're going to get to the Joe Biden gun stuff uh, mm-hmm. after our next guest. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, we, we cover extensively on the show all the shit that's going on. We outline it on a regular basis based off of our news blocks and all of our guests who come on, the America First candidates. It's not – you don't really hear people saying bad things about the radical progressive left. They literally are just talking about their policies and in a direct correlation how they hurt the American people. Right. And, and, you know – it's so easy to blame a fucking complete moron who's been a jerk off the entire time he's worked in Washington, D.C. like Joe Biden. Joe Biden's not doing anything. 
You know, that Breitbart article that came out this week that says he's fucking getting all pissed off because he doesn't want people walking back his words, that should, be like, start and end it right there. Wait, wait, he doesn't want people walking back his words? Didn't he say some things about gun control back in gun the day? Gun control, all the stuff he said about Vladimir Putin, yeah. all the stuff he said about, you know, verbally changing policy on Taiwan. Um, yeah, he he's essentially disarmed us, completely destroyed our economy, and entered us into two nuclear hot wars. Mm. Like, in the last six months, it's like... You have to roll your eyes when he talks because we know the people at the top aren't letting him do any of this stuff. They're just mm-hmm. rolling him out there. But the thing is, listen, when you try to put something on like the kids that were murdered in the fashion that they were murdered like down in Uvalde, it, you, you can't let the, 340 million people in the United States. All right, I don't want to do it like statistically, but 340 million people versus 19 murdered kids and two murdered teachers. Are you going to disarm the entire American public over that? Yes. It's not going to happen because I, no, I see. No, and but I that's what they are. No, that's what they want to do. Yeah, answer that. Go ahead. Uh, I know a few gun uh, shop owners, and they said that after these shootings, they got an influx of people and orders. Right, and you have these politicians. Gun, guns and ammo. You have people in the House and Senate that are going on talk shows and just trying to make points, saying that, like, oh, you want to know what? I don't think Joe Biden should take ARs away from anybody, but we definitely need to raise the age to 21. What do you do about all the people in the fucking military? What do you do about yeah, all the people that join police forces like and stuff at 18? What do you do about the people like, that are 14 that you said were smart enough to make decisions about their drastic voting. changes to their human body or voting? Mm-hmm. Oops. Mm-hmm. 21? Yeah. We just so now, to- now the brain, your brain doesn't stop developing until you're like you're 25 or 26 years old. Should is that when we should legally consider you as an adult? Like, we're, like your your brain doesn't stop line? developing until you're voting for the people they want you to. Exactly. Exactly. So we need to just. We're not going to get all huffy puffy about it. I'm already huffy puffy. We probably are going to get Huffy Puffy because we got an America First candidate coming in right now. He's joining us again on the show, coming back for a second time as we're getting ready for that big primary date in August. Uh, he's looking to represent Arizona 4. It's going to be Kelly Cooper. All right, coming in next on the show today, returning guests who's running an America First congressional campaign and uh, looking to represent Arizona 4 in the upcoming primary. Mr. Kelly Cooper, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. I love it. Thanks for having me. Sir, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you? How's the campaign trail been treating you? It's been a couple months since you were on with us, and uh, I'm sure you got a big update for our listenership. Yeah, well, I mean, we are first. We're America first. We're first in the race. We're first in the primary. We're the only ones that can beat Greg. So, man, it's an exciting time to be here. It's exciting to be in this campaign. Uh, for a first-time candidate, it's, uh, it's different for sure. But, you know, I grew up in restaurants, so talking to people all day long is... <laughs> That's my wheelhouse. So this it's sort of invigorating. It's exciting to be able to go and meet people and spend my time doing that. I love it. Nice. Now you you, you talked about your your you know career working in the uh, food industry. You you sure. elaborately uh, detailed for it last time you were on. Now it's been a couple months and we've seen this economy get considerably worse since the last time we've had you on. We've we've secured ourselves of coming out of COVID. Arizona was one of the first states to do so. But in regards to like job. Uh, soaring inflation, gas and energy prices, and how that affects the small business owners like yourself in places like Arizona, which is probably one of the biggest battleground states in the country. I think you guys and and Georgia right now are probably one and two. Uh, how is this affecting you and the people who work with you and 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 you know your employees, and then how it affects the community in turn with uh, all the prices and stuff? Well, I mean, honestly, it's crushing. You know, I went to fill up my gas tank yesterday. It was one hundred and fifty dollars. One hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> What used to be like 70. So I, I know how it is for me. It's, uh, it's crushing. 
Uh, you make decisions on where you're going to go, if you're going to go. Uh, you do a lot more Zoom, a lot more stay at home, a lot more phone calls. And then you have to decide what you can eat based on what you can afford because you can't you can't drive anywhere. I mean, the gas prices being at the level they are, and, and there is no sign of them coming down at all. They're going to continue to go up. It's not just at the pump. Everything we buy is touched by gas. Yeah. So as long as this administration continues to push this narrative and drive gas prices up, man, there's no relief. And you're going to see inflation continue to rise even even as we start to head into recession. And it's he's killing our economy. And in Arizona, it's dramatically worse than a lot of other places. Now, you know, it's weird. I, I didn't necessarily in the beginning buy onto it. Yes, there's obviously some bigger plan here behind closed doors between people in government who you know, obviously have objectives to carry out on behalf of whoever you want to assume it could be. But there's been a lot of influencers out there lately that have been pointing to factual data that shows a lot of this stuff to do with the economy and inflation, uh, the the dollar that's tumbling, and then ridiculous gas and energy prices. It seems to be intentional. And and this current administration has taken a hard stance on, on staying away from those things and, and focusing on more things like, you know, going after the gun lobbies and, and things of that nature when all the other problems that are affecting the uh, blue-collar, middle-class workers of this country are the ones that are probably the most important. Do you think that this whole thing right now in regards to seeing the economy do so bad and the energy prices and stuff like that has to be somewhat intentional? Oh, it's absolutely intentional. I don't I don't think there's ever been a question, at least in my mind, about this. You know, I don't know if I told you last time I was on, but I've been, I've been predicting this recession since before I, I ran. You could see it clearly coming in the policies and the economic decisions that were being made both by the Fed and the administration. And it's clear in the rhetoric that they want to kill fossil fuels, and this is the way that they do it. The problem with this being the way that they do it is it's completely disconnected from how the American way of life is and the effects that it has on the average person in America. And these guys are all ivory tower politicians. They don't they don't have to make a decision on whether they fill up their tank or, you know, buy some cereal for their kids or baby formula for their babies um, as they're going through life. And so they see the end prize of switching us over to some other form of energy, uh, government picking winners and losers Mm -hmm. without regard for the pain that they're forcing on everybody else. Yeah, but yeah, it's a hundred percent intentional. There's makes, no question about that. It makes a whole lot of sense. You see the the White House walking back rhetoric over the last couple of days about the uh, baby formula shortage and and how long it took. Well, according to them, for President Biden to find out about it, and then you know you had Janet Yellen on all the talk shows yesterday after her committee hearing, saying like, "Oops, I guess I I, I really missed the ball on, on that inflation thing. I, I I said it was one thing when it was certainly another, and here we are." Um, you know, basically with our toes to the line of a ridiculously big recession at a time where our nation just can't handle it right now with the way the rest of the things are running. Well, it's yes, correct. And I think that their hope is, is that we will all forget that we will all forget Afghanistan, that we will all forget that they called inflation transitory, that we will all forget that the Southern border is open. Like your underwear is hanging out. (laughs) And they're all playing the game like we're going to forget how bad they've been because they're going to distract us with things like um, gun control and uh, what's their what's their other big distraction? 
uh, nowadays. Uh, the uh, Sussman got off, and so the whole Trump thing was fake. I mean, yeah. they're going to continue to try to feed us distractions, but we cannot be distracted because it's real life that the decisions they make impact. Yeah, you make a great point there. I'm, I'm glad for at least our listenership we're able to have heavy hitters like Cash Patel and Rick Grinnell on here lately who have talked about, you know, this this huge Sussman verdict and the fact that, uh, you know, you've already had FBI agents plead without going to trial guilty. Uh, you have the the, the the Django trial coming up, which is he's looking at, I think, five or six counts of, or maybe more of, of lying to the FBI. And regardless of whether or not they can get a conviction in court where – when you just look at the jury, I think you had someone that worked on the AOC campaign, two that were connected to the Clinton campaign, and then one of the jurors' daughters plays sports with Sussman's daughter and has right. for a long time. If you're gonna if you're gonna have trials like that in DC, you're never gonna get uh, you know, the justice system on display like they're supposed to be and where it's supposed to be a fair trial. So it's one of those things where you have to look at the actual receipts. In the Sussman case, there was literally physical receipts from Staples because he went there and charged the Clinton campaign for the zip drives. Yeah. And, and, you know, with geo tracking, they were able to confirm that, but, you know, moving forward, I I think John Durham still has some work to do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a, I think it's still going to be a pretty spicy summer in regards to that narrative so far. So we were looking at your race and it seems like it really comes down to you and Tanya Wheelis. We looked at her resume and it seems she's a pretty hardcore insider. Uh, she started her career as a lobbyist and went on to the uh, Banking Association lobbyist and CEO. Uh, she lobbied for the Suns. This led to her becoming the Deputy Chief of Staff for Senator McSally, and she was finally Chief of Staff for Stephen uh, Richer, the Maricopa County recorder who fought the audit. Yeah. Reading through her bio, it sounds like she's just another swamp creature uh, that's kind of making her way up the chain in Arizona trying to move into her next insider role. Uh, let's talk about the huge... Uh, comparison between you and her and, and definitely what separates you from, you know, her in the race. Well, absolutely. I think it's pretty clear uh, in this race, you have somebody with those credentials moving up the chain and the establishment has had their thumb on the scale for her from the beginning. And they still do, frankly, um, versus what I would say is a connected to the community, America first candidate, somebody that's built businesses I'm the employer of over 100 families in the state and many of them in my district. Uh, I, I have real life connections to these issues. I have uh, two kids in first and second grade in public charter school. And I'm not sure if you saw the assault the federal government has on uh, uh, the underprivileged uh, community schools and as it relates to transgender rights, yep. so, so to speak, right? Um, I'm, I'm not sure how, uh, how well-versed the, the listenership is on uh, what's going on with the federal government, the Department of Education, as it relates to uh, charter schools and the attempts to kill all new charter schools and, and really funnel education back into uh, their indoctrination camps. Out here in Arizona, we have school choice, uh, but they, uh, they continue to assault that and push it back into the funnel. So you're talking about uh, the difference between exactly the problems that have led us to this point and somebody that has a vision for our future and the experience to actually nav- navigate these problems and the solutions. And the choice is clear for me and many, many of the people that are active in, in this community. And 
will become even more clear to the people that are coming around to the campaign as they get closer to election day. No, I like that. And then when you talk about resonating with the community and, and being out there, we know you've been hitting the ground pretty hard. How has your message in comparison with hers been resonating with the people there? I mean, at the end of the day, they have to be fed up with what's going on. You're seeing like in places like Nevada and Arizona, gas prices that are higher than ever before. And then when you just, you know, parlay that into all the other stuff that's going bad with the economy now, food prices, empty shelves, energy costs, you know, it's still really a warm part of the year in Arizona. They got to be really kind of, uh, I'm going to say, cuddling up to your message when you're out there. So uh, when I'm out in the community, we're talking about uh, the economy. There, There is really only a couple of messages. And as we go further, the economy becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Inflation becomes bigger and bigger. And listen, it's even bigger here in Arizona uh, because we did pass that voter initiative that ties CPI to minimum wage increases. So not only do we have gas prices and energy prices going up, which is driving up the cost of all your products, including your groceries. Now you have on the front side of a recession, what looks like a 10 to 15 percent minimum wage increase in the state. So all of these people that are getting their unemployment benefits without having to verify that they're looking for a job and sitting on the sidelines, they're going to come into the workforce when the recession hits because the government can't afford to continue to pay them to sit at home. And at the same time, when there's 12 million people out there looking for the jobs that currently are available, those small businesses are going to be going out of business because they can't afford those hikes in prices, both on the energy side and on the labor side. So so in this buildup of the recession, we've literally gone full circle from at the beginning when we were manipulating uh, the labor supply by COVID and mandate. We've gone back to that now because we're going to limit the amount of businesses and jobs with our poor decision-making for the last two years. It's unbelievable. And it's really difficult for me to comprehend how this administration full of people that have been in government. Oh, wait a minute. It's not difficult to comprehend. <laughs> no, it's not. People who've been in an administration that have been in government their whole lives don't understand the economy. Yep. I mean, how is Janet Yellen allowing for the fed to allow inflation to get at the level it's gotten without any repercussions? I mean, I know they're supposed to be an independent body, but she was appointed by Joe Biden and she's literally allowed inflation to run rampant, claiming that it was transitory. And now the only way out is recession unless they want to reverse their policies on energy. And to me, I mean, that's a start, but it doesn't fix it. It, it helps it not be as bad, but it's clear they're not going to do that. It's clear that we're going to have rolling blackouts because we're trying to force a massive push of electric vehicles onto the grid that wasn't built to handle it. These are all the repercussions of government picking winners and losers. It's unbelievable. And the people in my district recognize it. And it's exactly why I'm running for Congress. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing that that's probably resonating with the people right now is that you know, they, they look at what the alternative is. You, you might even have, you know, some people hear America first. Some people hear people that, you know, uh, line up with the ideology of uh, Trump era policies, which were which were hugely successful. You know, and we've talked about it with a lot of we've had, you know, I'm going to circle back to it. But when we have had Cash Patel and Rick Grinnell on lately, they both have immense foreign policy experience. And, you know, right. the thing we could all agree on, and these people have a lot more experience in Washington, D.C. than certainly me and my pod team do, but. When you go and really have long-standing America First policies, you make it to where you can contribute globally in times of need. And right now, it seems like we're just hemorrhaging everything and not caring about anything at home. And well, in turn, what it's done is it's wrecked the dollar, it's tanked the economy, it's 
you know, uh, had gas prices go through the roof and it's, it's put us at the threshold of a recession, like you said. So I think right now, you know, there's a lot of people who are speculating the midterm elections are kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound until 2024. But I think anything right now at the, uh, at the expense of all the uh, people who are getting crushed by this stuff is better than nothing. Well, and, and I would suggest, uh, because I hear this a lot, well, well, we'll see what happens in the primary. You know, the fact that people want to sit on the sideline until the primary is over is the problem yep these the the jellyfish weak need rhino people that have been in here are what has allowed the democrats to push as far as they have they have mastered the art of negotiation and we have allowed them to do it so we think we win when we make them only take half of what they asked for but they asked for double what they wanted so when they got half of what they asked for they got exactly what they wanted and we gave up everything and that's the problem with People that really don't have principles, they can be manipulated and pushed into accepting almost anything because they feel like that's a win. And the truth is, it's not. Look around. The people in my district are suffering everywhere. Homelessness is growing. Um, crime is rising. Uh, the border is completely under un no control. We have enough fentanyl that's come across the southern border this year to kill the entire country three times over. Yep. And then you add on top of that inflation that's out of control, that is crushing the families and taking away any savings that people had. We are now at the mercy of the federal government because of their policies. And I don't know how you can see it any other way than intentional. Because you can't be this bad. No. Nobody is this bad. I mean, a lot of these hires are absolutely horrible. I mean, there's people who are literally like junior level staffers in cabinet positions in prior administrations compared yeah. to now. Um, well, they're 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 hiding, they're hiding with what is perceived incompetence as the actual plan. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. When you roll out people like Sullivan and Deese, and you see these people have no real experience in any kind of the policies they're supposed to be promoting and and overseeing, and then watching stuff go on. I mean, we talk about it all the time in this show. You know, Kelly's mentioned the border several times. It's one of our hottest topics on here. Alejandro Mayorkas was scandal ridden and had to step down during the Obama administration for what he did at CIS. And uh, I think it all circles back to not sitting down and just being comfortable until after the primary. I think the primary is uh, where it's at right now. And when you look at like the all-star lineup coming in Arizona right now, which is a huge battleground state, you got Carrie Lake, Mark Fincham, Blake Masters, uh, Abe Hamaday's there. We've had Eli Crane on the show, of course, Wendy Rogers, and then yourself, Kelly, you know, there, there's a great chance to really get a whole bunch of people who are in line with that America first uh, narrative moving and, and all in the same direction of getting that state uh, great again. So I, I think the biggest thing now is to get as many people as we can involved with you and your campaign. So uh, why don't you let everybody have your uh, information, social medias that you want to give out and your campaign website, and we'll live link it in the show description today. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kellycooperarizona.com. Um, we have built and are continuing to build the largest movement of America first um, true fighters that want to see this district better. They want to see the policies fixed. And they want to see us focus on the real issues, which are inflation, the economy, rising crime, educational freedom. It's not LGBTQ rights and uh, uh, gun control. Those aren't the things that are really affecting Americans today. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be sensitive or understanding and compassionate to every member of our community. We should. But we need to focus on the things that are actually hurting people here in America and in Arizona. Now, I say that we have the largest incoming class of freshmen since 94, and we have 
the ability both at the state level and the federal level to build massive caucuses of America first and veteran candidates that will move this in the right direction. And so I'm very excited to be uh, in the top of the heap. And I want people to continue to recognize that we are it going forward. Uh, it's the choice between um, more of the same or uh, an additional vote for uh, all of the bad policies that we've had, or somebody that really understands how the economy works, really understands how these things work to move us forward. And that's where I'm at. So kellycooperarizona.com. Yeah, we'll live link that in the show description today. And then if it's before the primary or directly after when you're going to have a massive success and become the nominee there, we'll be sure to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This is the man who's looking to represent Arizona 4 in the upcoming Arizona primary on August 2nd. Mr. Kelly Cooper, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. You got it. Thank you so much, guys. Well, that was great circling back with uh, Kelly Cooper. He's uh, doing really well in the polls there in Arizona 4. Yeah. Um. He is the clear number one contender. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest transparency that he, he did, he was very more bullet pointed on the things that he's running on right now, where the last time he came on with us a few months ago, he just kind of laid everything out. We had a nice conversation with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he kind of laid that like the first time we sat down with Jaron Majewski, you know, he kind of had a nice conversation with us. And then he came back after that uh, big primary win and he was like spitting fireballs mm-hmm. and, and Kelly Cooper was in the same thread today and, you know, he's just trying to make Arizona great again. So got to do that. One of our biggest battleground states. And, and there's a ton of people running there uh, that we're going to be having on the show in the next few weeks as they're getting ready for that uh, August 2nd primary day. Yeah, I hope the best for Arizona because I might have to move there someday. Same. <laughs> well, they're coming for the guns. We teased it in the first segment, even though we tried to stay on the economy. But, uh, you know, after the things that have happened over the last couple weeks, the Biden administration is looking to make that a centerpiece of their midterm election platform. We all have to keep in mind, too, it's been well hidden under the radar. I don't understand how that is going to be beneficial for them to use as part of their major campaign platform. I feel like there's more people that have them. guns and yeah, like to have guns than there are that don't in America. This is their last fight for the soccer moms. Yeah. Here it is. Ten round mag capacity or murdered children i know it's your choice minivans do not get good gas mileage they sure don't um but you know we we have to keep in mind too june 10th i I think we all might have forgotten it myself included juneteenth not the walmart ice cream (laughs) which which was removed for virtue singling so that's the day scotus folds for the year so in the next calendar week here we're going to have a decision on roe v wade most likely oh my gosh so, totally forgot about that. I didn't find any appointments about decision on for this week. Thanks. No, good, good, good job, Siri. You could just timestamp that. It's no, okay. I like it. We're leaving it in. Damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's going to be another thing that removes all of the actual important stuff from the news cycle because we're going to get right back into the abortion thing when it's time to go out parading, burning, and looting for the summer. Yeah, I was just going to say this is going <sighs> to be summer of love. But this is it's counterproductive because they're they're indiscri- they're indiscriminately burning and looting. Well, now they're going the to wrong neighborhoods. Churches. No, but they're but they're doing it in the wrong areas. Yeah. Like you're right. Why are you burning your own team's shit down? Not not Martha's Vineyard. Like you know how many people who were probably bordering on anti-gun went out and bought guns after all this shit went down? It's like Hundred percent during COVID, it was unbelievable yeah. the amount of people I saw in line at the gun shops. Like 
it was unprecedented. They did not have enough stock of ammo for weeks and weeks and weeks. Well, it's um, been like that for a while. I, the people that I saw online trying to get a gun never never had a gun or touched one in their life was <laughs> yeah. hilarious. They I have... just sat there watching, like, you know, on the side. I'm like, damn, this is pretty wild to mm-hmm. witness. Oh, I agree. And uh, little stickers on the ground. Please stay two scary black guns apart. Yeah. I saw one dude, his hands were shaking. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think I want that one. <laughs> he pointed to like a little 22. I was like, oh my God. Hey, it's better than- no, sir. You want the Taurus judge. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? Good for him though. At least he's, you know, kind of his eyes have opened. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned things that circled around the pandemic because you know nobody does pandemics better than the Biden administration. And uh, I'm going to play two clips. Let's try to hold off on commentary. No, the buttons are open for pressing, though, of uh, Karine Jean-Pierre getting Mm. ass this week. Assless? Mm, Ass cheekless chaps? Mm. I would not like to see her in that. No, let's just timestamp that one. (laughs) Coming in hot with uh, KGP. The president said yesterday that he believes Senator McConnell is a rational Republican. Senator McConnell said today that the group of lawmakers that are talking about guns in the wake of Uvalde are talking about the problem, which is, quote, mental illness and school safety. Does the president agree that that's the problem here? So, look, when the president said that, um, he believes that there are some uh, rational Republicans uh, in the Senate who can come together and work on a bipartisan bill. Just say never um, Trumpers. And mm. uh, Mitch McConnell is one of those uh, is one of those folks. Of course he does he is. not believe, uh, and we've talked about this. He's talked about this. Uh, you know, we are the only country uh, that is dealing with gun violence at the rate that we're dealing, and other countries have mental health issues. They don't so have what's guns. What's the problem though. here? Um, and so the problems is the problem is what with, is with guns and not having uh, and not having legislation to really deal with an issue uh, that is a pandemic here in this country. Uh, and so uh, you know that is that is not his focus, uh, obviously. And uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to schools, and, and I don't know what he said specifically about about schools. I know there's been uh, conversation about hardening schools. That is not something that he believes in. He mm. believes that we should be able to to give uh, teachers the resources to be able to do the job uh, that they're meant to do at schools. Uh, um, and this is something that uh, he's been focusing on uh, since he was a vice, vice president. So those are two things that he does not agree on. Uh, but look, he thinks there's a way uh, to potentially have uh, potentially come for for uh, senators to come together um, and Congress to come together they should they need to act uh, and that's what he's going to he's going to continue to call for even though he disagrees with the top Republican in the Senate on what the problem is here I mean look I think that what the president is going to continue to do um, is call for Congress to take action uh, is to call for Congress uh, to move forward and deal with this epidemic that we're seeing across this country. Mm. And uh, and so he's going to leave it up to Congress to do that. He's going to step in when needed. But again, our office, our office here is in regular contact on negotiations. So, you know, she said the uh, epidemic. Epidemic? No. I was like, what are you talking about? They like about? to treat epidemics with vaccines. So what would be the vaccine for the gun epidemic? <laughs> What about the mental illness epidemic? Ammo? I mean, 
I mean, smaller calibers of ammo. Yeah, and let's like uh, reduce a uh, mag capacity to five, you know, and uh, yeah, I think that'll do the job. Gun buyback, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, it's never going to happen. She wasn't done. She still wants to talk about pandemics. Of course she's not. He does not believe, uh, and we've talked about this, he's talked about this, uh, you know, we are the only country uh, that is dealing with gun violence at the rate that we're dealing. And other countries have mental health issues. So what's the problem here? Um, and so the, problems is, the problem is what with, is with guns and not, having, uh, and not having legislation to really deal with an issue uh, that is a pandemic here in this country. Mm. So she had an epidemic and pandemic in the same. God. Ooh. What a moron. What would be the uh, gun-related pandemic booster, Noah? Uh, Five, five, six? No, I'm going to go with, like, maybe some rock salt shells. I like that. How How about you arm teachers and teach them how to use weaponry? How about armed security? How about... Guns on campus. Well, they <laughs> said he didn't want to harden schools. He doesn't believe in that. Like, I mean, that's disgusting. That's the lowest level of protection. Would be it's too insanity. You literally, these are soft targets with like head, like big bright, you know, lights. Hey, gun free zone, come and kill us. The only issue would would with hardening schools would would be that if there was a barricaded shooter, it would be much more difficult to get to them. But that's the only downfall right, I see to that. But, I mean if there's armed security on on you know on the grounds you and know, teachers aren't here, propping doors open that too right when the shooter shows up some, yeah if there's some sort of <laughs> lockdown system as well well you know, did, did you hear what the big the issue with that was in Uvalde um so so here's the thing uh, some of our listenership might not know this it's kind of gone under the news radar but I've been able to confirm it's true so this school year in that school district due to the uncontrolled and unmitigated influx of illegal aliens bailing out that close to the border in the town of Uvalde. They have fucking 50 lockdowns this year. Yeah, 50 lockdowns, 50 lockdowns because these people that are jumping out of cars when they cross the border are running across school grounds. So it had become like a reoccurring joke that every time the lockdown went off because of illegals running through the campus, they would oh. all kind of like roll their eyes and not do the actual lockdown. Oh, I thought you were going to say they were opening the doors to let them hide in the school or <laughs> what something. I, what I don't understand is this is most schools, for the most part, that I heard of that my kids go to, if there is an incident even a mile, two miles away, like a bank robbery or a shooting, all all the schools go on immediate lockdown. Yeah, but Antoinette, I get what you're saying, but just imagine just imagine if that happened 50 times in a 185-day no, school year. Yeah, that's no, a lot. No, I know, and that's just insanity to me to hear. It, it's it's ridiculous. And the yeah. teacher pops the fucking door open? Are you... Are you I think I think the door on? was propped open for ventilation, but they just didn't close it in accordance with lockdown procedures because <laughs> they were like, ugh, more illegals. Well, what I read was a teacher propped it open and then saw a car crash. Why wasn't the school alerted, firstly, that there is this guy on the loose uh, shooting guns at cops and he crashes right there by the school? Apparently, she saw the the car crash, unless they change the story again, went back in to get her phone to take pictures or call someone. And then she saw the guy coming with a gun shooting at two two other people. That and were didn't think to close the door? 
and 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 said that she ran in he or she i don't know if it was a female or male uh then ran back in in the school but i don't <laughs> did not lock the door it's like obviously. a horror movie where like they're falling down like 17 times and yeah leave and the door like, unlocked really? and listen i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna tell you from experience because i worked in schools for nearly 20 years uh all that stuff not really a big deal it's it's like a break time for teachers and well, usually shooting no but the drills over oh, yeah, and over yeah. because you know they have like natural disaster with the earthquake stuff and an active shooter this that and the other thing and they're so long the bigger the school you know the longer the drill they and, just go take a nap in the lounge yeah well there's a lot of classrooms now that are built with like the safer rooms in the back that have like a reinforced door in the back of their classroom and there would be more often than not a lot of people who would just like keep their kids in there and hang out in the back well, question for you since you worked door. in schools like if you were a teacher i know if i was a teacher for example and i saw that situation if the shooter's that far away i mean far enough i'm not gonna run in and make sure leave the door unlocked or open you're gonna do whatever you can to close the door if you can kind of because if you're a quick thinker you can assess in a few seconds what to do or well, in, even in a split second that's the tell my, right there being a right quick thinker. And my first my first instinct would be to i mean because i might die too right Close the fucking door if I have enough time. I mean, you close gonna, it and lock it. Are you going to go based off of some of the teachers that the libs of TikTok promote all the time? I mean, we're yeah, not we're not dealing like, with our best and brightest in the uh, public education system these I days. Know. I can only imagine what it's like in West Texas. Not taking anything away from the teachers of Walde, but you know, it, it's it's oh, one of those things. All of them, but yeah. yeah. So uh, plus, it's like like you said, faced with a life or death situation, some people just freaking run. And that could have been, like, door. I don't even know what a fucking door is when someone's pointing a gun at me. I'm just running in the opposite direction so I don't get killed. Ugh. Well, Judge Janine weighed in this week on, on a lot of this gun-related stuff. And the crimes that are being committed that we touched on a little bit ourselves, talking about, you know, the people getting out consequence-free and wanting to disarm the law-abiding citizen. Let's hear her, hear her weigh in on it. Oh, no, but but this is the guy who said, I'm going to unite everyone. I'm going to be the adult in the room. We're going to make this work. No, he doesn't want to make it work. He needs something to up his numbers. So he comes out with an idea. He goes in his corner, and that's basically the end of it. This is what I'm going to do, and I don't want to do anything else. And all you Republicans just don't want to work with me. Let me just say a couple of things. Does removing guns limit the number of crimes? I would like you to look at what's going on in the city of Chicago, which just this past weekend, there were nine people killed, and I think there were something like, I don't know, 40 shot in Chicago. Guns are illegal in Chicago. So you really have to look at when is the last time we analyzed this stuff. The last time we had a ban on assault weapons, I remember, I was a sitting DA, I was in favor of it. And then we found out that there was no discernible change in crime when we banned assault weapons. Now let's look at California. Crime is going up. Shootings are going up. Whether yep. you're talking about Compton, Los Angeles, any of these places. And it's where this, you have the toughest gun laws in the country. Mm -hmm. So the vast majority, and people need to understand this, of crimes that are being committed are being committed by people who have illegal weapons. And this is a stat. Less than 2% of all prisoners had a firearm obtained from a retail source at the time they committed their crime. So stop with this background check and all that. But if you yep. want to, let's come together on that. You want to come together on that? Maybe let's do it. Let's make a deal. But this guy's too simple to make a deal. I have a couple more things. The Constitution. <laughs> nice. This is the Second Amendment. 
freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And this guy is so ditzy. He said you couldn't buy a cannonball when they passed the Second Amendment. He is so limited in his historical references. Mm. There is nothing that, that prevented too. anyone yeah. from buying a cannonball when they wrote the Constitution. And my last comment is this. The gun-related deaths that we're talking about are not only the most of them in cities where gun crimes are illegal, but they're also in cities where we've got individuals who can get guns, who are part of gangs, and in the end, half of the gun crimes are suicides. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, it's a lot of good Let me add to that. It's also in some of these cities and states is like, for example, Gavin Newsom releasing, what, 12,000, 20,000 yep. now? I don't know. Prisoners, like violent offenders, repeat offenders from prison. During Wait, you're COVID. saying they don't care about the laws? No. They're not going to follow you, the gun rules? No bail. <gasps> yep. Exactly. Oh so goodness. I mean, no wonder there's a massive spike in crime. Yeah, you take you, you take do that shit and go in jail and come out. And then the radical DAs that are in places like San Francisco and, and Los Angeles out here that just don't do anything to anyone. It's like even yeah, if but they I'll go, go out, to jail, you know, for yeah, something for not turning over my gun or my uh, well, what they consider high capacity round or mags. Well, no, some of uh, Pelosi's. Uh, I was reading some, something about how she's wording these things. Is they're gonna consider a 10 round magazine would be a high capacity mm. yeah yeah no i'm not kidding i i i remember them proposing that when i lived in los angeles it was bizarre and we, and that's the that's the issue that with that ago. is there's a lot of of handguns that will not work with a magazine that small because it just it no. just doesn't work mm -hmm. so basically you would be banning those guns it's like the stupid uh what california roster for handguns where you yeah. can't get this because it what it really comes down to is they blame it on the the drop testing and then they just don't allow these companies to do the drop testing so well <laughs> this gun's not on the list because it hasn't been drop test has tested oh god well peter Ducey raised the question of uh outstanding citizens who uphold the strictest gun laws in the history of gun laws in Perfect. places like chicago let's hear uh, them <laughs> try to spin it Okay, you got Chicago, for example. They already have plenty of very strict gun laws, some of the strictest in the country. 47 people shot there over the Memorial Day weekend. Nine of them died. So which law would have prevented any of that? <laughs> all right, well... Do, do we think that all these people in Chicago who are shooting each other are legally buying their guns? So here's, here, here's a couple of examples for you. I was just talking about the red flags law. Here's the deal. Um, there are some examples here of how they've prevented tragedies. In California, a study showed that a California red flag law has assisted in the prevention of 21 mass shootings between no, it 2016 and 2018. No, it hasn't. Uh, Florida, since passing Who did the, the red study? flag you? law in 2018, there have been notable cases of few of, of the law intervening in multiple cases of potential violence. Uh, of potential violence. Uh, in C Connecticut and in Indiana, for, for every 10 to 20 preventions under the red flag laws, there was one fewer death than, than would otherwise have been expected. So when it enacted, it does help. There are things that we can do. And one of the things that the, the, the president talks about with expanding, uh, expanding the background checks, if we're able to do that, we are going to take uh, more guns out of the hands of criminals. And that is incredibly important. So there are things here uh, that can be worked out, that can be done, that is not going to prevent every tragedy, but will take us to a better place so we can protect our, our family. Well, how about ignoring the, 
the times when the quote unquote good guy with a gun saves the day. Stop mm-hmm. it. No, they completely ignore those instances and they will not, it will be buried in the media. It's, it's wild. There, and there's so many of them too. So Either you, defending yourself or saving other people. You have these red flag laws, right? Let's just say the people in Chicago who are killing each other. You have one of these uh, TikTok or Instagram aspiring rapper stars mm-hmm. flashing his arsenal on his social media. SoundCloud rappers? Wh- <laughs> them too. Which local Chicago PD is going to roll up to that guy's house to disarm him to prevent the next tragedy? <laughs> it's not worth it to them, clearly, obviously. I mean. Well, and they don't want they don't want to take the guns away from the criminals. They want to take them away from everyone just so we can, can do beg the government to save us. Yeah. Well, innocent cops, you know, if you're thinking in that in the ma- that manner like they're, they're like i'm not gonna fucking risk my life and go there like yeah nobody's gonna back me anyway well Ducey hit her on red flag laws and she gave some bullshit answer but i'm glad she used the terminology terminology that she did because matt gates took to the hill yesterday mm. and in committee went after her and the biden administration for saying stuff like this let's hear uh the firebrand weigh in message from this committee hearing to republican senators be astonishingly clear. If you back red flag laws at some reflexive response to some emotion that you have, you betray your voters, you are a traitor to the Constitution, the Second Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, you do nothing to make mass shootings less likely, and you put a target on the back of your constituents to be literally subject to bizarre proceedings that you wouldn't see in any other type of circumstance that has a profound impact on your rights. And these will be abused. They are being abused. I think there's some that would probably red flag some of your colleagues in the Senate. Yep. How long until the conversations about kicking Senator Hawley off of aircraft turn into conversations about taking his guns away? You see, this isn't just about guns. It's about power. And what the Democrats want is to ensure that the government has the power to take your guns away without giving you due process. And shame on any Republican in the Senate that would pave the way to that type of deprivation of our liberty and our constitutional rights. I yield back to the gentleman from Arizona. Matt Gates is on fucking fire this year. Mm-hmm. You think Dan Crenshaw lines up with that fucking rhetoric right there? <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, I, I think Dan Crenshaw is a two-eye shooter. Obviously, I don't like him much, but I think he did an interview on CNN and kind of uh, he was actually good about you know explaining the whole um, situation with Evaldi and like who Crenshaw. Yeah, and yeah, but he's he, also know, a person like that votes for red control. flag laws every time. No, they come I know, up, so. I know, I know. No, he's he, very well spoken and he makes a lot of good points. But he's yeah, he made some definitely good points. What I was trying to say, swampy. Yeah, of course he is. I, he's completely swampy, but he did make some really good points on CNN because they were trying to push. They were trying to push him so hard and push the agenda so hard, yeah. and he just kept going to the facts. Um, and he mentioned the red flag thing, and he's like, and even people on my side, basically, I, I don't know the exact words. He's like, but 
basically saying that even people on his side were like lying about what he really voted for and what he was about. Staying in the same thread of what we were talking about with the, well, with the beach party and the bipartisan group that Joe Biden's trying to get together, which I guess what now includes Mitch McConnell and some of the other jerk offs up on Capitol Hill. Um, Peter Ducey asked Corrine Jean-Pierre what she thought about, you know, this epidemic of gun violence and uh, were any of those players going to be going to maybe play some volleyball and eat some weenies at the beach with Joe Biden last night before his big speech. If the president thinks that Congress must act immediately to end this epidemic of gun violence, is he going to bring any of the key players from Capitol Hill to the beach with him tonight? Oh, okay. Um, uh, so I don't well, have... a big part of candidate Biden's whole thing that he knows how to get things done. He does. He does. I mean, he's he he's beaten the gun lobby before. He has. Then why not invite but, these but, lawmakers who but maybe not, haven't beat the but gun it's lobby not, it's and not, say, this is how it's done? But it's not his thing. It's actually fact. We saw he did that in, in the Senate during during his Congress days, that he beat I, the gun lobby. I Look, I do that he has a lot of oh. legislative experience. I'm asking why it is that you can say he wants to give these negotiations. Do you want to go to the beach with the president Some, tonight? <laughs> is I that would, what you're trying to tell me? I would love to. Look, I don't. I, well, that touche on that. The weather, it is pouring outside like cats and dogs. It is not great. But Look, if, if people no. are dying every day, why Absolutely. would this president then say he wants to give it some space and let somebody else? But you're also going to hear you're going to hear from the president uh, tonight, and it's not that he, you know, it's not that he hasn't been involved. We're going to make him touch involved. on that. I just listed out oh, all the did. conversations, like not conversations, but speeches that he's made. I just listed out the executive actions that he's taken. But I want to make sure that you know that it, it is very clear that the president has indeed taken action. He cannot do it alone, so he's asking for Congress to act. The American public is going to hear from him tonight. I don't have any. I don't have any meetings to to preview or to lay out for. I'm not telling you it's not going to happen. I'm just saying I don't have anything to preview to, for you today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she teased it, and so did we. Joe Biden took to the CGI podium last night to talk not about the economy or inflation, not about Ukraine or Taiwan, the southern border, or even booster shots. He came to the American people as good old Scranton Joe, Mm. who used to ride the train 200,000 miles a day each way to work. Uphill. (laughs) Both ways. (laughs) To talk about gun control, let's get into it. Gum control, with an M. For so many of you at home... I want to be very clear. This is not about taking away anyone's guns. Uh, it's about vilif- not about vilifying gum o- gun owners. Gun owners? In fact, we believe we should be treating responsible gun owners as an example of how every gun owner should behave. That doesn't sound I like respect the culture and the tradition and the concerns of lawful gun owners. At the same time, but do you? the Second Amendment, like all other rights, is not absolute. Mm, no. Not true. But he just said it. No. But that's Scranton Joe. No. President of the United States. No. I I believe it reads something along the lines of, shall not be infringed. But that's 46. (laughs) 80 million votes. Mm -hmm. 81 million votes? Mm. Don't tell Donald Trump that. Mm. Still trying to get to Bedminster in August. (laughs) 30 round mags? He kissed those goodbye. 
Let's get some more lowlights. Standard capacity magazines, you mean? Mm. A few years ago, the family of the inventor of the AR-15 said he would have been horrified family of the to know inventor. that its design was being used to slaughter children and other innocent lives instead of being used as a military weapon in the battlefield. What is this, his snowflake as it was grandson? designed. That's what it was designed for. Enough. Enough. Good. Whispers. We should limit how many rounds a weapon can hold. <clears throat> Why in God's name should an ordinary citizen be able to purchase an assault weapon that holds 30-round magazines that let mass shooters fire hundreds of bullets in a matter of minutes? You just said how many bullets were in the magazine. It was 30. You were tired. Hundreds. And now you're how awake. Many, how many times are calling this an assault rifle? I just can't. Listen, okay. I actually got corrected because I, when I was talking about assault rifles, I, I said assault weapons. And assault weapons is the nebulous term that the gun grabbers are using. It's not in even lieu a thing. of. Yeah, yeah it's not. Even, yeah. And while I was meaning to say assault rifles, which My, is also something that 90% of people don't have unless yep. they have a tax stamp. Right. It's just bizarre. My favorite meme right now is shout out to Ghost Hammer. There you go. It's the two-panel meme. On top is the NPC, five masks, the mohawk of booster shots, <laughs> the glasses, with, with a picture of an AR going to Ukraine, and it's like, oh, my God, yes. And then it's like a picture of an AR with, like, the American flag behind it, and it's oh, like, no. yeah, going crazy. So, it, Tell it, me. I think I, I might have seen one, like, similar or that one. Send it to me when you get your Yeah, it's, it's, it's the sending uh, – yeah. Assault weapons Ukraine, to the citizens yeah. of Ukraine, but then like, why? Why would any any citizen of anywhere need anything like that ever? And it's like whoever y Ukraine. Whoever, that's, that's exactly why. Whoever did the Mohawk of vaccines is like that's my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't get enough of it. Last clip from uh, Scranton Joe and uh, oh man, talking about okay, what do we got? So no guns. No mags. Oh! And now you ain't getting one unless you're 21 years old. Let's hear it. But you can, you know, catastrophically alter your body at yep. 14. In Uvalde, the shooter was 17 when he asked his sister to buy him an assault weapon. Knowing he'd be denied because he was too young to purchase one himself, she refused. Nah. But as soon as he turned 18, he, bought it. he purchased two assault weapons yeah. for himself. Because in Texas... You can be 18 years old and buy an assault weapon, even though you can't buy a pistol weapon. in yeah. Texas until you're 21. We can't ban assault weapons as we should. We must at least raise the age to be able to purchase one to 21. Look, I know some folks will say 18-year-olds can serve in the military. You have to show your ID, too, to get it? And fire those weapons. But that's with training and supervision mm. by the best trained experts in the world. Supervision? Don't tell me raising the age won't make a difference. Enough is enough. End of quote. <laughs> how, okay, so how End of tirade. Kid, how is he able to afford these guns, first of all? Because the ones that he had that they showed, apparently, uh, are very expensive. Did yeah, he he's looking at like, like a $1,600 rifle and then, you know, probably a couple thousand dollars worth of ammo. I think it was like three grand, probably around three grand give or take just for the guns and the ammo 3500 yeah just for the, just for one 
Oh, was it for one? Yeah, yeah something in that. Yeah, it's bizarre. So I, I mean, I know they tried to say like the truck was expensive too, but apparently that was like his, his grandparents. Grandma. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It smells fishy to me. Oh, it sure does. And, and like you know, we've we've there was a lot of correlations that we talked about oh. on the show this week that are fishy. I just remember something. I saw something on Twitter. Uh, this flight flight tracker, this uh, helicopter or helicopter. I'm not quite sure. It was a military airplane um, that took off from Fort Hood and landed at the exact time the shooting started and left when the shooting stopped or something in that. Landed where? I don't know all the details, but something really weird that people were putting together on Twitter. I, I didn't um, finish the thread, but. But where was it saying it was landing? In Uvalde, and it's never landed there before. Mm. Yeah, so left Fort Hood to Uvalde. Pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, wild. I'll have to find the tweet and I'll send it to you guys. I saw it quickly, but yeah. Um, when you speak about Fort Hood, I also saw this week we're spending like $70 million to change three of the historical bases' names as a virtue signal. Who yeah. fucking cares? Fort it's Benning, a- Fort Lejeune, and there was one other one. Like you don't want you don't want somebody who has like a decorated military career to have to be like, well, where did you uh, where did you go to training? Well, I went to Candyland, Fort which pronouns. used to be called Fort Hood. Yeah. Now it's Candyland. Now it's Fort. How dare you? <laughs> now it's Fort. You know how you know how I know you voted for Biden. Mm. Fort eighty million votes. <laughs> All right, in our last audio clip of the week, and from committee today, Noah sent me this exclusive, maybe a state exclusive audio clip of uh, Democrat Rep. I like it. And now. No, we're not doing the whole clip. David Ciceline talking about just how uh, these guys think about you and your constitutional rights. Let's hear it. So spare me the bullshit about well, constitutional rights. Well, the gentleman not be, No, I will not yield. And I'm not going to yield for my entire five minutes, so don't ask again. Spicy. The bullshit about your constitutional rights. Yep, that, so you realize that that comment is all-encompassing about yeah. the Constitution. Because it's I mean, not absolute. We, we, we've come to learn that. I'm pretty sure that was the whole point of it, was it being absolute. Oh, man, if there's a time machine, I wish you could bring back a couple of these guys to uh, lead the troops. You know, mm-hmm. what can we say? It was a long week, somber week, which started out with a, you know, politicized Memorial Day. And then we just had this absolutely awful narrative of just all the stuff that's wrong in, in the world right now. Uh, and, and listen. The Biden administration doesn't care about anything. Gas prices, inflation, baby formula, the safety of your children. They All they want to do is pack the court, eliminate the filibuster, and do all these things that are going to strip us of our constitutional rights. You know what? I do have one more bonus clip, and it was from the Beach BQ. Mm. Nancy Pelosi actually spoke on this stuff uh, because she knows the abortion thing's coming up. This is from last night, and... Uh, Let's hear Nancy Pelosi, you know, follow up on that last clip of just what she thinks. Not to make this a political event, but elections have consequences. Elections have consequences. And if we can just pick up a couple more Democratic senators Mm. to wipe back the filibuster, then we can we can again enshrine into the law a woman's right to choose enshrine marriage equality into the into the law. Uh, so that we would, we don't have fear of, again, diminishing freedom 
in our country. Our history has always been to expand freedom. The courts have played a role in that, and now they may not, they may roll it back. But I have hope. Yeah, the courts have always upheld freedom, and she wants to literally take it away. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Okay. So as a traditional Roman Catholic myself, I was really proud of the priest that refused her the Holy Eucharist. Agreed. Because of her her stance um, and, you know, with the abortion issue and whatnot. And she's sitting here continuing. This, This should be enough evidence for the archdiocese and where she, you know, her congregation is, to excommunicate her. This is, people, this is not a real Catholic here. This is Catholic in name only, you know. It's disgusting. You cannot be Catholic and a Democrat and support abortion. So if you're listening, any of you in the archdiocese, do your jobs. I doubt it. (laughs) I wouldn't put it outside the realm's possibility. No, I think it's going to happen eventually, you know, um, after this, you know, turning her away. Um, he did his job in what he was supposed to do. It's it's a grave sin to take the communion. I thought you meant listen to the podcast. Absolutely no. oh, not. Yeah. Don't fucking start. <laughs> but yeah, it's disgusting. You know what you can start, though? Hmm. Rolling the credits. I like it. Let's do it. <clears throat> yep. Not bad. Noah's tired. Oh, yeah. Antoinette was on fire today. I think she's finally got her feet back underneath her, and uh, she was ready to roll. And listen, we just brought you the narrative the best way we could, Steak for Breakfast style. Um, if you liked hearing it and would like to hear all the rest of the 139 episodes of the podcast, you could find us on just about every downloadable podcasting platform. iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, or on the Roku uh, device via the Patriot Podcast Network app. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Don't forget to leave a review. And always download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our two amazing guests today. Senatorial candidate out of the great state of Missouri, Governor Eric Greitens, and then looking to represent Arizona 4 in the U.S. House of Representatives, Kelly Cooper, circling back with us as well. In addition to him, some of our internet friends, Tagbury 8 the patriotic baby counts, Mr. Garbaggio and all of his amazing Instagrams. Hugh White Memes has made it into uh, show creds because he's just sharing us everywhere. Nice. We're going to do a little bit of uh, some collabs coming up in the future, too. In addition to that, Christina Baba Save America and Tom Pappert, the editor-in-chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners because when you do that, all it does is help make small American businesses great again. Speaking of small American businesses, my pillow, Mike Lindell, Bogo Extravaganza, Apparatus, and a promo code stake at checkout. Big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash stake is the website, or you can talk to a qualified representative via the telephone, 1-800-658-8045. I love my headphones. Noah looks handsome wearing his. We both got them from Odyssey. They are the top tier of gear gear. Get the highest quality headphones you could ever imagine owning and more. Odyssey.com or on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. You want a picture of... uh, KJP rolling her eyes at Peter Ducey because she did that several times mm. this week over the extensive amount of clips we played from her. She's welcome to steak for breakfast. They'll put it on a conceal carry Tidex holster for you. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Noah's favorite uh, rubbery. Mm. He bought it. He shook it. He shakes it. Sprinkles. Slow cooks, 
drizzles on the BBQ sauce, sometimes Hawaiian rolls, and then right in his mouth, num num num. Oh. Manrubs.com. Go get some great deals there. Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a simple equation for all your high capacity assault weapon needs. Mm. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Newly redesigned, easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. Mike's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Hate it when it ends. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to love their gear a lot, and you're going to love their Instagram just a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last, go get yourself a zero fuck stuck. You don't know. That's because you haven't been to dumpbox.us. Go ask Mark Joe Friday. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We've got an ass ton. Hopefully, we'll get a little bit more sleep before the next one. And we've got some guests that are just going to blow your minds coming up here. We're coming back on Tuesday. We're going to have Christina Bob of Save America, conservative influencer Jasmine Ivey is going to join us, conservative constitutional attorney Mike Yoder's coming in for the first time. Listen, we're not just sitting here sucking the teat of MAGA. He said teat. Mike Yoder is a huge pro-Trump guy, but he is not for all of his candidates. We're going to get that counter-narrative with him on Tuesday. In addition to that, we're going to get Rick Grinnell endorsed. Nice. Candidate for Arizona Attorney General Abe Hamaday. So it's going to be a good episode. Next Friday is going to be a little bit more of a banger, though. Carrie Lake, Joe Kent, Constitutional Attorney Andrew Kloster, who served in the Trump administration, and North Carolina 13 nominee, Trump-endorsed Bo Hines. Oh, nice. We'll come back the following week. Two evening editions of the show. On the 14th, we're going to sit down with uh, Border Correspondent Extraordinaire, great friend of the show, Jorge Ventura. We're going to do the news with uh, conservative influencer Emma Mitchum. And then we're going to have a state-exclusive interview with none other than the CEO of TMTG, Mr. Devin Nunes, will be joining us. On the 21st of June, Keith Pekow is coming back, and we're going to do a America First segment with two of our great friends, Cash Patel and Max Miller, same segment. Blake Masters is circling back on the 24th of June. Fish Burr is coming in hot to start the month of July on the 1st. And looking down the road a piece on the 8th of July, we'll have Monica De La Cruz, Texas 17 nominee, Trump endorsed. Friends of the week, ask ton of them as always. Let's go, Brenda. I like hers. Who else we got? Jessica Harlow shared some of our stuff this week. I appreciate her. Mm, let's see. Who do we got? No, you got any counts off the top of your head? We love our friends of the week. Real Al Gorbachev. He had some bangers. Mostly Peaceful Memes was highly active on the last day of June. Or on the last day of May and the first day of June to welcome in Pride Month. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, who else do we got? Oh, Flexure Feminine. Hispanics for Jasanis. Jilly underscore 2205 is always sharing steak for breakfast content. Snack Nicholson, of course. The Silent Meme Jordy. I'm going to give one more. Just kidding. Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. You notice how Eric Greitens liked a couple of our questions? He liked the fact that we brought up the firebrand Matt Gates, who's going to be a guest on our show this month. We did our own research. We know he's a huge fan. Number two, start a podcast. So when you're tired, like Noah is, you can edit it real fast and go to bed. And number three, let's see what happens. This has been episode 140 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back on Tuesday. 
with our great friend, Christina Bob, Jasmine Ivy, Mike Yoderd, and Abe Hamaday. We have the pot team, I'm Roan. Noah? Late. 99. Antoinette? Excellent job. Thanks for listening. Take care. Give the chickens a chance to shoot back. Hey man, I'm just saying, I'm gonna kill a defenseless animal. I'm gonna honor it sacrifice by grilling it to some tasty barbecue. What I'm not gonna do is torture it just to prove I can't hit anything further away than my own pecker. Your quat is a real junkyard dog. Donde se conocieron? Hey, cowboy, you the pretty one. You ever hear the expression? You got a face only a mother can love? That don't apply to you. You are uglier than the devil's asshole itself. Hey! What are you doing? They're torturing chickens, man. What are you eating? A chicken. But it's Come not on. the same thing, okay?